Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Emmanuel Church. Now we got some folks joining us from here at the Greenwood campus. We got people at Banta, Franklin, Garfield Park, Seymour, online, all of our multi-sites, all of our micro-sites. If you are having a good day, let somebody know. Are you having a good day? We feeling good? Man, I'm glad to hear that. I really am. We're in week number five of a little series we've been doing called Acts to Grind. If you miss the first four weeks, I get it. It's summer. I understand. Maybe you missed it because you've had baseball tournaments. You've had, my goodness, you've been on a boat. Maybe you bought a beagle. I don't know why you've been gone, but there's been four messages I think you should check out. You can go back and watch them on YouTube. Week number one, we talked about victim versus victor mentality. Week number two, that was all about our mental mess. And then in week number three, we talked about Sunday Christians. Last week, we talked about foolishness. And then in week five, we're going to talk about something very soon. But I want to go over the definition of what acts to grind means real quick before we dive in. It's this. It's an issue that needs to be eliminated or changed in our lives so we can experience the abundant life God has for us. I feel like we're all pretty clear on that. We talked about that for about the past month or so. But before we get to what I'm really going to talk about today, I realized this as I was planning this message. I realized that, man, I may never get a chance to talk about some of these very deeply personal axes I have to grind from this platform. I may never get this shot again. So I really need to take advantage of that. So Emmanuel, I got some things I need to get off my chest. Here's axe to grind number one. I think there's an appropriate, proper way to consume a burrito. From Chipotle from Qdoba, from Moe's, I don't know, pick your poison, dealer's choice, whatever you want. But the reason I talk about this is because if mishandled, you're gonna have a real bad time. Look at this thing. It's got some heft to it. And I bring this to your attention because the last time I went to Chipotle with my wife, I saw a woman hold the burrito like this and she was trying to eat it like corn on the cob. There's no structural support in the middle, as you can plainly see. She took a bite, the rice got everywhere. It was chaos right there in the Chipotle. I think there's a way to avoid this, and I want you to join in with me, okay? Here's, my, here's what we're gonna do. Three-step process. Number one, hold your fingers like you got a split-finger fastball in your hands. I want you to go claw mode. This is your base for the burrito. What we're gonna do, we're gonna lock that burrito right into place. See that? That's the base. That's how you hold it. 45 degree angle, angle, angle towards your face. We got a good setup already, but we can go step number two, offhand support. I'm gonna go right underneath it. You see that? See how we did that? Now it's got a firm foundation. I could jump, I can move sideways. I can do whatever I want with this burrito. Step number three, I'm gonna attack the corner. I'm not gonna go middle, because if I do that, it's gonna get in my beard. Rice is gonna get everywhere. Attack the corner, go typewriter style, left to right. You're gonna have a great time with your burrito. I'll see you later. So I'm gonna fold you back up. I'm gonna put you away. We really are. I'm gonna put this right down here. So that's number one. Number two, Axe to Grind number two. I truly think Bluey is the best cartoon out right now. I truly believe. Yeah, we got some people clapping for that. If you have Disney Plus and you wanna watch a show, a great family show about a family of Australian blue healers. It's a show about dogs. It's animated. Great life lessons. I think it's the best cartoon out right now. 
Number three, I think tank tops are for everybody. I think there's this stigma surrounding the tank top that you have to be jacked or have big arms or like a sleeve tattoo to wear it. Nonsense, hogwash. A, t a tank top is not so much a garment to wear, but it's a mindset. It's an attitude to adopt. I think you should step into the tank top life today. I truly do. Number four, grocery carts or shopping carts. I think that if you use a grocery cart or a shopping cart, you take it in, you fill it, you come back out, you put everything back in your car, and I think if you leave it in the parking lot for somebody else to pick up after you, I think you should face a fine of up to 5,000 American dollars. Truly do. Yep. Got pretty aggressive affirmation at the Greenwood campus. I truly do, just don't, just don't be selfish, help people out, come on. Like, it's just a high school kid trying to make some money for gas. Like, don't make him do it for you, do it yourself. And then number five, this, this is gonna ruffle some feathers. I really do believe that. But honestly, I just don't care. It's my opinion, I wanna share it with you. I think Parks and Rec is better than The Office in every way, shape, or form. There, I said it. Now we're getting booze at the Greenwood campus. I don't know what you're facing, the persecution I'm facing up here for my opinions. I think it's better comedic writing, better casting, better jokes, top to bottom. Can be talked out of it. It is better than The Office, 100%. What do you notice? What do you notice about these axes to grind? There's a, there's a common thread between all of them. What do you notice about it? It's just me. It's my opinions, my thoughts, with little to no regard for how you feel about it. Some could say they're kind of selfish, maybe a little bit selfish. And that's really what my ax to grind is today. My ax to grind is about selfishness, but man, if we talk about selfishness, like in total, we're gonna be here for five hours and you people have things to do. So we need to narrow this just a little bit. And we're gonna narrow it to a group of people. And I wanna preface it by saying this. I've been in ministry for four years. I've been a campus pastor at the Greenwood campus for three years had no idea what I was getting into, and I still know about 1% of what I should know as someone who is a professional in ministry. But this issue that we're gonna talk about today has been number one on my list for a long time. It's something I've prayed about, something I have no idea how to address. I never knew if I'd ever get to talk about it, but I've seen it more here in my job than anything else, and the number two issue, the issue that follows it, is not close. Today, we're gonna to talk about selfish spouses. Some people just cleared their throat at Greenwood. <clears> throat> mm, this would be a good one. <laughs> if I were going to sum it up when, with one sentence, here's what it would be. Our selfishness is ruining our marriages. Ruining our marriages. Man, it's awful. I know some of you are sitting here and you're not married today and you're like, well, who's this talk really for? Is this going to be applicable to everybody? I think so because I think if you're single and you're good with it and you have no intention of being married or dating, that's cool. That's great. But I still think you're going to encounter selfishness either in yourself or at your job or at the gym or with your family, your friends. Everybody's a little selfish from time to time. So I still think these principles will apply. If you're single and you're dating and you'd like to be married someday or you're looking to meet somebody, man, this is going to be a really great way to be proactive. Because if you're dating somebody right now and you got those tingles and you got those butterflies and things are feeling pretty good and all you want to do is text them, all you want to do is go visit them and hang out, statistically speaking, that's going to last about two years. And then it's time to get to work. And if you don't want to do the work and you don't want to put the time in, you don't want to kind of push that selfishness away, you are in for a rude awakening. Married people, I think this goes without saying for sure. And I know some of you are sitting there today and you're thinking, man, I'm, I'm already divorced. My, my, my selfishness caused the divorce. I don't want to sit here and listen to this. All it's going to do is beat me up, beat me up, and beat me down. That's not the point today. 
If you're divorced and maybe your selfishness caused the divorce or it was part of it, man, God doesn't want you to, to feel guilty and condemned and be beaten in the dust so you can never get up. Pastor Danny talks about it all the time. Repent and turn and maybe use some of the concepts that we talk about from scripture today to make some better decisions and make the next best decision should God bless you with another relationship. Don't beat yourself up. That's not what God wants for you. And I know some of you are sitting there thinking, well, I have been divorced and infidelity caused my divorce. Finances caused my divorce. A lack of communication, fighting, arguing caused my divorce. Here's where I think selfishness comes into play. I think selfishness is the seed. I think this is where a lot of this stuff starts. Those selfish urges, I am more important than you. I consider my needs ahead of yours. I know you exist, but I love me way more. And the more that we water that seed, the more that we sow to it, the more that we really, really work on it, then I think it goes to the growth, which is these advanced sin issues. Things like infidelity. We're yelling at each other. We can't talk. Nobody's listening. On and on and on. And then, sadly, what I've seen a lot of times at this campus, and I'm sure some of the other campus pastors and other staff members have seen this as well, the harvest is divorce. It's like this three-step process. You can see it coming. You can see the seeds. You can see that growth. And then you can see the harvest that comes from it. So let's walk this out. Like say you're single and you're dating right now. The seed of your selfishness might be lust. You know what God says? You know what Pastor Danny has preached from up here about having sex before marriage? But man, those urges, those temptations, I care more about those than I care about God's promises and his will for my life. So maybe that seed turns into the advanced nation. Now we're having sex before marriage. And we might get married, but what you don't know is that people who live together having sex together before marriage, they're 40% more likely to get a divorce. Did you know that statistically? So now what happens, we have a heart posture that is standing against God. We care more about our selfish urges than obeying him. And now, if that's the pattern and that's where I'm building my foundation, on the sand instead of the rock, like Pastor Andy talked about three weeks ago, it's gonna be shaky, it's not gonna hold, and I'm headed for divorce for some people. And if you're married, man, maybe it's the communication. You can't listen because you know everything. You have no empathy. You can't look at them and you can't pay attention to how their workday went or what your wife is struggling with with her mom or her sister or what your husband might be going through as the leader of his company. I don't know what it might be, but you're tuning them out because all you need to do is insert your opinion. You're listening to answer, not listening to understand. And so pretty soon we, we go to this advanced sin issue of arrogance and pride. There's no communication. Everything's falling apart. One person comes to the other and says, I think we might need counseling, but your pride won't let you hear it. Everything's fine if you would just listen to me. And then when communication falls apart, typically you're headed towards divorce. That's the harvest that we see from this. But I don't think divorce is the worst thing. I really don't. And statistically speaking, this kind of bears out because in the United States of America, I mean, you guys know the stats, between 45 and 50% of all first-time married couples end up in divorce. So there's 195 couple or 195 countries in the world. The United States is fourth when it comes to divorce. Divorce doesn't scare us. Sometimes we feel like that's relief. And I'm not talking about people who are victims of abuse. Say that that's a different conversation for a different day. I'm talking about the issues that come up out of selfishness. But I think there's something worse. So the question is, what is worse than divorce? If I'm single and I'm dating and I want to get married or if I'm married, I know what is worse than divorce. Here's what I think just through studying and reading and really, you know, kind of walking this out with my wife and different staff members. I think it's getting everything you want. I think getting everything that you want if you struggle with the sin of selfishness is way worse than divorce. Because here's what happens. It's all about you and you never learn the lesson. 
You miss one of the greatest teachings that God tries to share with us in, in scripture that it's definitely not about you. Your actions and the way that you live and the way that you serve people around you, man, it's about other people, but it's about God most of all. You shouldn't win every argument. You shouldn't get what you want all the time. You, you should not have Christmas with your side of the family on Christmas morning every year because you married into a family and they might need to do that too. There's gotta be some balance there, some give and take. So what happens not only with getting everything that you want, you develop this false sense of this, this puffed up pride and you miss out on what God has for you. You miss out on this abundant life completely and then oftentimes you still get the divorce. But Jesus talks about this, talks about this in, in an amazing way in Matthew 16. I want to share it with you. And it's an interesting idea that we don't often ascribe to marriage. He says, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Really, if you get everything along the way, you're going to lose your soul because if you get everything that you want, you're not going to need God for anything. You got it all, right? Is anything worth more than your soul? And what do you benefit if you win every single argument but you lose intimacy with your spouse and communication? What do you benefit if you have all the time in the world and you never have to serve them, but your spouse is dog tired from carrying the weight of your marriage, what do you gain from that? You might gain comfort in the moment, but you're gonna lose that relationship in the end. And that's the negative side of it. What's the positive side of this if we can work this out and we can figure it out? Like if I start to become a little bit more selfless and I start to consider their feelings and their wants and their desires and how I can serve them, and I start to consider Christ above all that, what do we get, what do we get out of that as a couple? What do you want? Name it. Do you want better communication? Do you wanna be able to listen to them with, with authenticity and be present in those conversations and listen not to respond, but listen to, to, truly, to truly understand and learn about your partner? Do you want that? Because you can have it. Do you want more intimacy? not just physical, sexual intimacy, but a different type of intimacy that you maybe have never experienced in your life, that emotional connection. Do you want that? Because that's on the other side of selflessness. Do you want harmony? Do you want presence? Because if you can be a little less selfless, I think you can have that. I think that deep down, whether we're in a relationship or we're married or we're not, I think we all want that. So the question we need to ask today is, how can we take a more selfless approach to marriage? Cast aside the selfishness and walk towards selflessness. How do we do that? This is not a comprehensive talk that's gonna answer this question in totality. There's a thousand ways you can do this, but I got three ideas I think might be helpful. I certainly hope they're helpful. And the first idea today, die to yourself. Before I say one more word, there's a specific group of people that I wanna address. If you are a widow, or a widower with us today. This language is gonna be very harsh. That's gonna be hard for you to hear because you've probably lost somebody in your life. You've lost a spouse, a husband, or a wife at some point. And I empathize with you. I truly do. I see you, I understand you, I, I know a little bit about what that pain is like. My dad lost his wife about three years ago. My uncle lost his wife right around the same time. My mother-in-law, same thing. I've seen how hard it can be for people. I share this language and I share this point not to be insensitive to your pain. I share it because this idea is biblical and the problem facing our community is a sin issue. And I think the best way we attack that is specific biblical ideas and biblical language. So that's why I'm saying this. So if you're a widow or a widower today, I truly am sorry for your pain. And I don't mean to be insensitive. Just wanted to get that out there. Die to yourself. What does that mean? Luckily for us, Paul wrote many letters, some of them while he was in prison. 
And Paul wrote this letter, part of this letter that I want to share to you from the, to the church of Galatia. Because they weren't exactly living the right way and he was trying to, to exhort them to, to living in the light of Christ. That's what he was wanting from them. And he says something, he kind of talks about this idea of dying to yourself, but he uses very specific language. And I wanted to share that with you today. Let's check it out. It's in Galatians 5, 24. It says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. What in the name of church language does that mean? Let's walk it out a little bit. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, that's you. That would be you. So now we've got that baseline. Have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Because Jesus Christ died for every single one of us, this means we are no longer slaves to our sinful nature. We are no longer slaves to our selfishness. You can walk right into selfishness every day. You can make that choice or you can do what Paul is talking about here and you can nail those passions and desires to the cross. Note, this is not easy. If you struggle with this or any other sin issue in your life, this is something you're gonna practice every single day forever until you pass away. It shouldn't be easy. Nailing the sinful nature to the cross, that's hard work, but it's possible if you want it. It requires constant consideration of what Jesus Christ has done for you because, man, when you get to that wood and you gotta nail that thing in there, where are you? You are at the feet of Jesus. And man, when you're at the feet of Jesus, it's hard to feel selfish there, isn't it? But that's the model. That's the model that we are given by Paul. And that's the model that he lays out for us in Ephesians, which is another letter he wrote to the church of Ephesus. He talks specifically about the role of husband and wife. Listen to the language in Ephesians 5. I believe we've got verse 22 for the wives. Ladies, we're gonna start with you. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Doesn't sound like we're holding on to anything selfishly there, does it, ladies? Submit. There's something I'm gonna have to give. Maybe it's my preferences. Maybe it's my way of doing things. I don't know what it might be, but I'm gonna have to submit to my husband as I submit to the Lord. So we see that pattern kind of traced out for the women. What about for the gentlemen? What about for the fellas? Let's check it out. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Well, how did he love the church? He gave up his life for her. Fellas, this is sacrifice of self. This is all selflessness giving up your life for her. That's what you're called to do. It's sacrifice on both ends. And we gotta get this idea nailed down because I've seen it too many times where there's an imbalance. This next idea about marriage is, is absolutely paramount to lock in. Marriage only works if you both die to yourself. Both. Two-way street. If the wife is the only one submitting and the husband is not dying and giving up his life for her, then that wife is going to feel like she's carrying the world on her shoulders. She's gonna feel like she's doing everything. She's gonna feel like nobody's listening to her. She's gonna feel like she's on an island. Same thing for the husband. If the husband is trying to give up his life for his wife, but she's not submitting, he's gonna feel all alone. He's gonna feel isolated. He feels like he's only in the fight by himself. But man, when both people are clicking and both people are submitting, Pastor Danny talks about this. It's that feeling of trying to out-honor the spouse. Oh, this is how you're gonna submit to me? Well, this is how I'm gonna die for you. Oh, this is how you're gonna die for me as my husband? Well, babe, I'm gonna try to submit to you out of love and reverence for Christ, which is what it says in Romans 5.21. I asked my wife this question. I said, I said, what does it feel like? Like if I'm, if I'm doing all I can to give up my life for you and you're doing all you can to submit to me as a couple, like what does that feel like for you? And she said one word and I'll never forget it. She said, it feels unified. It feels like we are walking in the same direction. 
feels like we are trying to honor God simultaneously. It feels like we are in this fight together. Because she's wiser than me. She should have been given this talk. She's so good. This is the attitude. This is the approach. Not all about me, not all about my urges, not about when I should be going to the gym, even though I see a mountain of laundry and the kids are going nuts. That's not what this is about. It's about death to self out of reverence for Christ so I can make their life better, so I can serve them. And once I get this idea locked in and I can die to myself, it allows me to go to the second point, which is extremely important as well, but also very challenging. You gotta go first. This is gonna ruffle some feathers. You gotta go first. Don't wait, go. Don't wait. Here's what we love to do as human beings. We love to do this. We love to keep score, don't we? We love to keep score. Man, we are good at it. Really good at it. Tell you what I mean. I will wait or I will submit when he loves me like Christ loves the church. I will love her like Christ loved the church when she starts submitting a little bit. Honey, I don't know if you've noticed, but I mowed the lawn. I did the laundry. I picked up, I picked up the kids from school. What'd you do today? I cooked dinner. I folded the towels. I cleaned up the bathrooms. When are you gonna start pitching in? When are you gonna start making this feel a little bit more equal? That's what we like to do as human beings. And man, we're great at it. And it feels awful. While you're doing it and if you're on the receiving end of it because there's no harmony, there's no balance, there's no humility in any of it. And that's not how Jesus lived his life. And that's not the example he gave us to follow. You gotta check this out. This is in John chapter 13. We're gonna, it's the, picture this in your mind. It's, it's the Passover celebration. Jesus is around this table with his disciples, his students, his followers, his dudes. They're all around there. Everybody's there. This Passover celebration is is commemorating the liberation of the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. It's a big deal. It's it's a nice meal together. And everybody's there. Judas is there. Peter is there. We're going to talk about them in a second. But they're all hanging out. And John, this beloved disciple, the author of this book in the Bible, he says something very interesting about the power and the influence that Jesus wields. I want you to consider this before we check out this example. It says, Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and he would return to God. That's power and influence that you and I will never have. And if there's anyone who had a right to not go first and to wait on people to serve him hand and foot and not lift a finger for his fellow human beings, man, it was Jesus. But that's not the example Jesus gave us to follow. Listen to what he did. The very next sentence after John writes this, it says, so Jesus got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. Jesus went first. That's his model. We said Judas and Peter were there, right? Judas, the one that would betray him, that would turn him over to the hands of men so he would be killed for just a little bit of money? Did Jesus wait on Judas to apologize before he washed his feet? Nope. What about Peter? Peter, who Jesus went to and he said, Peter, I know you're gonna deny me three times before my death. I know you're gonna do this. And Peter became indignant. He was like, I would never do that. Sure enough, Peter does it for purposes of selfishness and self-preservation. Did Jesus wait on him to repent of that and to apologize before Jesus washed his feet? Absolutely not. Another question for you to consider. Did Jesus wait on you for your full obedience before he died for you? Nope, he didn't. He just went first and he died. And there's a reason for that. And Jesus explains it a little bit further. And John, he says, do you understand what I was doing? 
you call me teacher, you call me Lord, and you're right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your nasty toe fungus feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. And then he drops this on him like only he can do. He says, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. When you hold your spouse to this keep score, I'm, I'm only gonna go when they go type of standard, you are holding your spouse to a higher standard than Jesus holds you to. Think about that for a minute. You're expecting full obedience, full compliance. Man, look at your own life. You don't do that for him. You don't serve him that way. And so he just, he loves you every single day. There's nothing you could do to separate yourself from his love. And yet we like to hold this over people. Man, go first. Don't wait. Go first. And here's, here's the best part. Don't expect anything in return. Just go. You handle your end. And maybe by chance, through the grace of God, your partner might handle their end as well. But don't expect anything in return. Don't expect the glory. Don't expect the honor. Don't walk in and say, I have mowed the lawn. I have folded the laundry, not once, but twice this week. Honor me. Don't do that. That's not what Jesus did. It was all humility. It was all humility. And that's what you can do when you start to die to yourself and you make that the aim of your life and the aim of your marriage. And you decide to go first and then, man, you get to the best part. You get to the best part. It's my favorite part of this whole message where we screw it up the most often. Have a great attitude. Oh, you gotta have a great attitude. This is so key. It's so good and it's so paramount. And this is where people goof it up. Because you got people that'll die to themselves. They'll go first and they'll think, okay, we're doing something. And then they pout or they drag their feet like children or they try to make the experience lousy for their partner. And then it just makes everything worse. Man, I was so bad at this early in my marriage. I was so bad. And ladies, gentlemen, if you can relate, let me know, like truly let me know. My wife... One of the ways that she likes to relax, she likes to watch these historical fiction shows, kind of like The Crown or Downton Abbey. I'm gonna be honest with you, not my cup of tea, no pun intended with the Downton Abbey folks. <laughs> but I wanted to do it because I loved her out of reverence for Christ. I'm trying to serve her, I'm trying to die to myself, trying to go first, let's watch this show. But I couldn't keep my stupid mouth shut. <laughs> I'd make all these funny jokes and I'd say these things like, what's he just gonna get into next? And, I'm asking all these dumb questions because I think I'm being funny and I think I'm being clever. And I was just ruining the whole experience. And my wife let this go on for a little bit. She's trying to be nice, trying to be polite. And one day she just went, boop, hit the pause button. And she looked right at me and she said, it's very clear you're not enjoying this. I'm not enjoying it either. So are you gonna go back to the bedroom and watch what you wanna watch or do you want me to watch this in the bedroom? <laughs> and I felt about that big. And I was like, oh, I'm a jerk. <laughs> I'm a giant jerk and I've screwed this up because my heart wasn't in the right place. I was doing this because it was still all about me, still all about my glory and me being the martyr and how I can serve my spouse. No, it wasn't about God. It wasn't about her. It was still all about me internally. But luckily for us, Paul gives us another great example about the heart behind this in Galatians 5. Check this out. You've been called to live in freedom, freedom from the bondage of sin, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Don't use your freedom to make snarky comments while you watch Downton Abbey. Don't do it. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another. How? Say it with me. In love. Say it again with more oomph. In love. Yes. 
In love, yes. Man, it, Gary Chapman, if you've never heard of him, he's the guy that wrote the Love Languages book, which is a great book to read. There's about a thousand assessments you can take online to find out your love language. He also wrote this book called Things I Wish I'd Known Before We Got Married. Great book, hate the title, it's too long. But in this, he talks about this approach and how this might play out and the importance behind it. Listen to this quote he has from the book, and it really follows along with dying to yourself and going first. He says, so after you hear each other's ideas and feelings, one of you decides that on this occasion, it's best to do what the other has in mind. Okay, we've died to ourselves. We've gone first. Brother Gary, how do we go about doing that? He continues and he says, this is a total sacrifice of your original idea. You've died to it. It's all them. You've bought in completely. Choosing rather to do what your spouse desires and to do it with a positive attitude. This is so paramount. It's so key, but this is where people screw it up the most because this is all about the feeling, the intent, and you can't lie to your partner. They're smarter than you think. They're gonna know if you're phoning it in. So don't phone it in. Legitimately get excited. If your man comes to you, he's like, hey, do you wanna watch the football game? Oh, I wouldn't like to do it. I'd love to do it. <laughs> yes, I would absolutely adore that. Babe, do you want to help cook the Christmas cookies with me this year? I don't know, because I've already got the sugar and the brown sugar on the counter. Like, have a great attitude. Have some fun. Marriage is so hard. There's so many ways the enemy is attacking your marriage. Man, if you're having fun and you have a positive attitude, it's hard for him to get a foothold. For me, for me, this played out with laundry. Oh, my goodness, it played out with laundry. Because with laundry, you can't lie with laundry. Laundry tells the truth. For example, get that rice off there. For example, when you're doing laundry, if you're phoning it in, you don't want to have a great attitude, it might look something like this. You're just, okay, I don't want to do laundry. Got other stuff I'd rather do. I'd rather just chill out on the couch or school on my phone. I guess if I do it like this. Babe, what do you think? Is this good? Is this helpful? Died of myself. I went for it. Is this great? No, don't do it like that. I mean, you got to have a little charisma, a little dancing with the stars. Like, get it out there. Like, get into it a little bit. Put that shirt on the table and you're going to fold it in with what Jim Harbaugh, the coach of the, the University of Michigan football team, calls an a passion and enthusiasm unknown to mankind. Baby, I'm folding this shirt with intent. I'm serving God. I'm serving my spouse. I go corner to corner. I go 33% in. I go 33% in. I hamburger fold it up. And baby, you always know what's on the front of that shirt. It's neat. It's tidy. Not for me, but out of service for them. It's the intent the attitude. And when you can serve like this, man, I don't know what your laundry is. For me, it was laundry. Maybe your laundry is cutting the grass. Maybe your laundry is listening. Maybe your laundry is putting the phone down and making great eye contact. I don't know how you can serve your spouse. I don't know how you can die to yourself. I don't know how you can go first. But for me, once I started doing this, once I started doing a little laundry, I understood the weight of what she carried. Because laundry never stops. It just keeps coming. And when you got kids, it doubles and triples. But it just kept coming. And I didn't know. I didn't know she needed help. I didn't know she needed a partner. I didn't know that this was a way for me to serve her. Because she never complained. And I had to go to her and I had to ask her. I was like, what's one way I can, what's one way I can die to myself? Like, what's one way I can serve you? She's like, you can help with this. And it was only when I saw the weight and it was only when I experienced it myself and I saw the effort and the energy and, and the intensity and the purpose that she put into it because she wanted everybody's clothes to look nice. 
She wanted it to be organized. She wanted it to be done well. Once I experienced that, it changed me forever. And you can do the same thing. When you die to yourself and you go first and you do it with a great attitude, you're gonna learn so much about your spouse. You're gonna step in, you're gonna serve them and your marriage is gonna go off in a direction that honors God in a way that you never imagined. And you're gonna be a blessing not only to other couples around you who need an example of what a great marriage looks like, but if you have kids, you're gonna be a blessing to your kids. So they're gonna see mom and dad doing it together, loving each other, serving each other. It's gonna give them a great example to follow. That's what your marriage could be. So I wanna end by asking you a really weird question, and it's this. Will you die first with a great attitude? This is the beginning for you. And keep in mind, it's not easy. It's not gonna happen overnight, especially if you struggle with it, especially if you're a little bit more selfish. But, but man, like if you make this commitment to die to yourself on a daily basis, to nail those sinful desires to the cross every day and stand at the feet of Jesus and go first, not hold, hold this over your partner's head, waiting and holding them to a higher standard than Christ holds you to. And if you do it with a great attitude, and intensity and passion, man, I think your marriage is gonna blow up in a positive way. I think it's gonna be great. Will you die first with a great attitude? I know there's some of you sitting here today, you're beating yourself up a little bit. You're thinking back on what you could have done, what you should have done. Man, don't do that. Just turn from it. Make the next best decision today. Maybe for some of you that don't know Christ, maybe the next best decision for you might be to just place your faith and trust in Jesus. You've heard about him a lot today. You've heard how he served a guy that betrayed him, how he served a guy that denied him three times, how he washed their crusty, gross feet. You heard about this. He loves you in the exact same way he loved those guys. Because in the same way he died for them, he died for you. He saw your selfishness. He saw the fact that You don't want to do laundry. He saw the fact that you don't want to put your phone down. He saw the fact that sometimes you lose your temper with your spouse. He still died for you anyway. And maybe in your selfishness, you're trying to fill this void in your life with all these things the world's telling you to fill it with and nothing seems to fit. It's because the only thing that was designed for that hole that you're trying to fill is Jesus. Jesus died for you on a cross. He endured pain and suffering and torment, but he did it because he loves you. And he rose again three days later. His resurrection signaled that he conquered the the penalty of sin and death. He gives us hope today. It's why we show up week after week because of the hope he gives us. And you can have that today. You can have life with him for all eternity if you want to. You take these words I'm about to say, you pray them straight to Jesus and you have a conversation with him. And if you're joining us today and you've already prayed this prayer, any of our campuses online, Man, pray for the person who's about to make this decision because it could change their life and it could change their eternity. Will you pray with me? Jesus, I come to you as a selfish person. I acknowledge my sin today and I wanna repent, I wanna turn from that. But most importantly, Jesus, I want to place my faith in your death on the cross. I place my faith in your resurrection. You took the penalty of my sins and then you conquered them. Jesus.
Jesus, I place my full confidence and trust in this sacrificial act. I ask you to wash me, cleanse me, show me what it means to be your child for the rest of my life. Jesus, I love you. And it's in your name I humbly pray. And we all said, amen. Man, we want to party with you just like they're partying in heaven. Can we give it up right now for anybody that made this decision? So good. As our way of saying congratulations, we want to help you get started on your journey with Christ. If you text the word SAVE to 65248, if you're online, drop us a comment. Let us know where you're watching from, and we will hook you up with a box. If you're at any of our physical locations, just go to the info desk. Let them know that you text and SAVE, and we'll put one of these in your hand inside this box. New Believers, New Testament Bible, so you can get started acquiring some wisdom for Christ, become a little less selfish, some next steps on how you can get connected, and a coffee cup is our way of saying congratulations. One more time for what God is doing in our relationships, in our church, campuses. Woo, man. We sincerely hope you've enjoyed the past five weeks in Acts to Grind, but man, something to get excited about. Next week, Pastor Danny is back. Are we ready? We ready to go gonna be good stuff. I'm excited too. Hey, we got big day weekend next week and we're gonna have baptism. We're gonna have small group registration out there, costume contest, 70s gear. Get it going. It's gonna be a lot of fun. But for right now, I'd love to pray for all of us and we're gonna kick it to the local teams. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for the example that you give us to follow. We thank you for letting us know that it's possible to nail these selfish desires to the cross and to walk forward with selflessness and humility so we can lift our partner up and so we can glorify you most of all. We know it's not easy, but we wanna do it because we love you and we wanna follow you and we wanna glorify you. We love you so much and it's in your name we humbly pray and we all said, amen. At this time, we're gonna kick it to local teams.